Deuteronomy chapter 13. Deuteronomy 13. I want you to seriously consider a question this morning. I want you to think about it. I want you to hopefully um, spend a little bit of time thinking about it. Here's the question. Has there ever been a time or a time frame in which it's been easy to serve Christ? Think about that for a minute. Has there ever been a time or a time frame or an age in which it's been easy to serve Christ? Just think about that. I'm sure there are varying opinions on this. Okay, but I believe that the truthful answer to this question is a simple no. Okay, and you might say, well, I disagree with that. But I believe there is, there's not an easy time to live for Christ. The old saying is this, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it, right? If it was, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. So let's go back and let's ask the question, has there ever been a time where everybody served Christ? No. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. And so the question I hope that you're asking is this, well, why isn't it easy? Why isn't it easy to serve and live the way that God wants us to live? I believe this. I believe it's not easy because of what God asks us to do goes against our physical nature. Okay, understand that. What God asks us to do goes against our physical nature. Completely against it. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't go with it. The flesh and the spirit are at enmity one with another. They, they cannot coexist. That's one or the other. The natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Listen, that's why it's so difficult to live for Christ. It's not exactly easy. The natural thing to happen uh, with pretty much anything in life, the natural course of life is simply decay. Decay. How many of you that are 80 years or more have experienced decay? Absolutely. Your body is not the same as it used to be, I'm sorry to tell you. My body at 31, man, I'm getting old, at 31 is not the same as what it used to be. I used to exercise and I used to play sports and it's just not the same anymore. So once left to itself, the natural body decays. Also, you look at your house. If you were to take your house and just leave it alone, don't do anything to it, the natural progression of life would be to what? It would decay. The shingles begin to rot. The bricks, if you will, begin to separate. All kinds of things happen to your house. And if you leave your grass, trust me, if you leave your grass for long enough, it'll look atrocious. Also, your car. You don't take care of your vehicle. You just let it go. And before you know it, there's rust all over it. And it's literally decaying in front of you. That's the natural progression of life. It just decays and decays and decays. But I believe this, that God does not want the natural things of life to decay. He wants us to get better and better and better. I believe that with my whole heart. And so you might say, well, okay, fine. If it's hard to live for Christ, then I'm just not going to do it. Well, you can be guaranteed that if you don't 
put into things, put into Christ, then the natural progression will be for your life to get worse and worse and worse. But if you say, I don't care how hard it is, I don't care if it's not easy, I don't care what it is, I want my life to be better and better and better, then you've got to do something. You have to underspray your car. You have to mow the grass. You have to fix up your house. You have to fix the broken shingles. You have to do all of those things, and you need to take care of your body the best you can. You need to put the work in because that's what God wants. God wants your life to be better and better and better instead of worse. See, I believe there are times in life when it's easier to live for Christ. Easier. Not easy, but easier. Well, when are those times? I believe those times are when there are other people living for Christ around you. When there are other people living for Christ around you. Listen, if all of us got together and said, we are going to live for Christ. That's what I love about the HELP program and the Love Works program. Is there's 80, 90, 100 people that all get together as a team. And we go out and we literally live for Christ and love our community just like we are supposed to do. We're seeking Christ and we're sharing hope. That's exactly what we're supposed to do. And it's this big team effort. Listen, that week long of HELP is pretty easy to To live for Christ, at least it's easier. It's easier because there are people around you. Again, that would say that there is another time when it's harder to live for Christ. It's harder to live for Christ when there's no one around you living for Christ. It's harder to live for Christ when you don't have someone encouraging you and exhorting you and and coming beside you and saying, hey, we can do this together. Listen, that's when it's harder. It's always hard. But it's harder to live for Christ when you seemingly are doing it on your own. But let me ask you something else. Is living for Christ only right when it's easier? Or is it right all the time? Living for Christ is right all the time. We have one person that's willing to answer. I appreciate that. Living for Christ is right all the time, whether it's hard or whether it's easy. It doesn't matter. It's living for Christ. That's what Christ wants us to do. And whether we are alone or whether we're with a group of people, it's always right to do. You see, living for Christ takes a commitment to Christ. Living for Christ takes a commitment to Christ. Most of you are probably saying, well, that's pretty obvious. And it is obvious, but it's still something God addresses here in Deuteronomy chapter 13. So let's go ahead and take a look at that. Deuteronomy chapter 13, look with me in verse 1, if you will. Again, if just to give you a little bit of background, just to understand what's going on, is the fact that Moses from God is instructing the people. He's giving them laws, and we finished in chapter 11 last week about the, the, I present to you a blessing and a curse, and we showed the two mountains. Chapter 12 talks about some very specific laws that are going on that Moses wants them to remember. But here in verse 13, he gets a little bit more specific. Look what he says. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and giveth thee a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder, notice, comes to pass, whereof he spake unto thee, saying, Let us go after other gods, which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. 
Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God proveth you to know whether ye love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Ye shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. And ye shall serve him and cleave unto him. And that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he hath spoken to turn you away from the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of bondage to thrust thee out of the way which the Lord thy God commanded thee to walk in. So shalt thou put the evil away from the midst of thee. I want to preach to you a message that I've entitled very simply, Commitment to Christ. Commitment to Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity for us to be here. Father, I pray that you would help us this morning to understand what it takes to have a commitment to you. Father, no matter what comes into our life, no matter what goes, I pray that you would help us to have that commitment because, Father, you died on the cross alone. Father, whether we have a group of people or we're alone, I pray that you would help us to live for you. Thank you for dying on the cross for us. We love you so much for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Commitment to Christ. The first thing I want you to see here in this passage is that this was a trusted man of God. This is a trusted man of God. If you'll look here in verse 1, the Bible says, If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and giveth thee a sign or a wonder. He's giving you a sign or a wonder. It's something that's going to happen. It's something that's going to come to pass. It's something that he says that is, listen, this is going to happen. I need to give you this. And he begins to say it. And then verse 2, it says, And the sign or the wonder come to pass. So he says, listen, in three days' time, this is going to happen. In three days' time, sure enough, that thing happens. You know, there's a test. If you take the time, you don't have to do it right now, but take the time, go to Deuteronomy chapter 18. It will show you that there's a test whether a prophet is true or not. That test is very simply if the sign come to pass or not. So listen, if I stand up here and I say, again, in three days' time, this is going to happen, that doesn't happen. Then the chapter 18, Deuteronomy chapter 18, you go there, it would say something to this effect. He was taking it of his own volition. He's doing it for himself. But if the sign do come to pass, then it's of God. This is God's will. This is God's man. So hear me, this is a trusted man of God. Notice the sign comes to pass. He is someone that's trusted. He is someone that's given to God. Our story indicates that the prophecy comes true. Again, knowing God's people, knowing where they are, knowing human beings in general, when someone gives a sign and it becomes true, that's somebody you can trust in. That's somebody you can give your life to. But notice this, trust does not always equal commitment. Trust does not equal commitment. That's very important for you to understand because I think sometimes as human beings we put our trust in someone but we give our entire lives and we give our commitment to them. We need to be very careful of that. Trust does not always equal commitment. The problem with this is not trusting someone 
like this prophet. And if all of us were in this situation, we would probably trust the prophet. Hey, his sign came true. I mean, a little bit later we'll find out that that sign's okay. That's from God. We need to put our trust in this person. He's somebody that we can trust, but we want to trust someone. That's not the problem. The problem comes when we give him our commitment. You see, humans have a tendency to follow, right? We are social creatures, and I, um, not to compare us all to deer and cows, but I uh, spend a lot of time studying deer, and I did spend a lot of time studying cows. And listen, deer and cows follow each other. The moment one begins to walk one way, the rest of them follow. They have no idea why they're following, yet they follow. That's the way humans are. We're social creatures. We want to follow. We enjoy following. We enjoy seeing somebody do something in something that's from God. And we want to follow that. Not inherently wrong. So we want to do that. And this is exactly that the, the principle that Adolf Hitler used. The exact principle that Adolf Hitler used because he knew that there were people who wanted to follow. I did a fair amount of study on Adolf Hitler for this message. Quite interesting to know that Adolf Hitler fought in World War I. Spent some time there in World War I and came back and was really quite frustrated with the Treaty of Versailles. Everything that was going on that the United States and all of the allied countries had put on them and said, you have to do these things. So he basically became a German loyalist, someone who wanted to see Germany break out of the Treaty of Versailles and wanted to give his countrymen something that they had longed for so long, a country worth fighting for. He began to play on that and he began to do some things that began to get people uh, on his side. And hear me, he did some wonderful things. Adolf Hitler did some wonderful things for the German people. He did some wonderful, to take some time, study it out. He did some great things, some things that he, the people really wanted. He wanted to get out of the control of those allied groups. He wanted to get out of that. But there came a point. There came a point where people began to be not just a truster in him, but committed to him. The problem began when people became committed to him. You might ask the question, how do you become committed to a man? I want to give you two words very simply. Trust implicitly. Trust implicitly. When you trust implicitly with no regard with no bounds, with nothing. You just fully give yourself to that person. You are fully committed to him. You are fully trusting him implicitly no matter what happens. That's exactly where people were with Adolf Hitler. That's exactly where they were. He gained their trust. He worked that. You get the, to the point when you trust them no matter what because of the good things that he had done. He had done some wonderful things trying to help his country get to a, a, a wonderful spot. But it's in the moment when we trust a man implicitly that, get this, we are vulnerable. Listen, not the man, not the man is vulnerable. We as followers are vulnerable. 
Look at what the prophet says here in verse 2. Again, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass, whereof he spake unto thee. Watch what he says, saying, Let us go after other gods, which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. He says, hey, hey, I've got your trust. You're trusting me implicitly. I've got your commitment now. Let's go serve other gods. And because we like to follow, humans like to follow, we will just go. Yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it. You see, there is always a point in which the leader, the prophet in this case, Adolf Hitler in our other case, when they cross a line, they just cross a line, they just get too far. Again, if we're taking Adolf Hitler, some of you know who he is, some of you may not have any clue. Adolf Hitler began to cross the line when he says, now let's purge our country. Let's Make the Aryan race a perfect race. Let's get out any Jews. Let's get out any colored folks. Let's get out anybody who's different than the Aryan race. Blonde hair, blue eyed. Let's get them out of here. Let's purge our country. Guess what? He just crossed the line. But at that point, people trusted him implicitly. At that point... People didn't care, and so they began to get this this hate for anybody who was not of the Aryan race. Anyone, anyone, it didn't matter what you were, but if you were anything but of the Aryan race, you were just scum. He crossed the line, and the same thing true here with this prophet. Please understand, I'm not asking you to never trust a human being again. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, beware of how much you trust a human being. Beware that you don't commit to a human being. Listen to me. I want you to trust me. I want you to. I want you to trust me, and I want, I want to do good things, and I want to lead properly, and I want to do all of these things. But hear this, and hear this well. If you ever commit to me, I'm sorry. You're committing to the wrong person. Don't commit to me. Trust me all that you want, but don't commit to me. Don't allow me to cross the line. You know what should have happened here in this story? When the prophet said, hey, let's go serve other gods, everybody should have stood up and said, no way, not going to happen. Everybody should have stood up and said, no way, not going to happen. Why? Because it went against what God had put in place. When Adolf Hitler said, hey, let's purge our country, people should have stood up and said, no way, no way. But they trusted implicitly. Why is it? Why is it that we will trust a human implicitly, but we won't trust God implicitly? Why is it that human beings for centuries, you can look in every century, you can see a leader that stepped up above the rest and that people put their faith and trust in a human being. Why is it that we can do that, but we can't trust God implicitly? Why is it that we can't commit to God implicitly. Look in verse 3. The Bible says this, Thou shalt not 
Hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God proveth you. Proveth you. To know whether ye love the Lord with your, your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Ye shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. And ye shall serve him and cleave unto him. I want to show you the second point very simply, a determined commitment. A determined commitment. Why do we not trust God implicitly? Here's my take on it. We stop walking with God. We stop walking with God. We'll walk with this human being all we want. We'll spend time. We'll study him. We'll follow them, if you will. For you older folks, I can just imagine all the Germans sitting down with their newspaper in the morning or listening to the radio going, what did Adolf Hitler do today? Man, he's just changing our country. He's doing a great job. What else is he going to do? And they followed everything. For you younger crowd, you're on, it, on Facebook and Instagram, and you're following their content. You're consuming their YouTube. You're subscribing to everything that they do. You're just pulling in contact. What did they do today? Oh, the new video just got posted. I got to see it. We do that. We follow man. We subscribe to man. We, we like and we all of those things to man, but listen, the same should be true of God. We should be following God. I hate to be corny, but we should be subscribing to his content. We should be digging for it. God, what is new for me today? Why do we struggle to commit with God? Because we stop walking with him. We need to immerse ourselves in him we need to have a determined commitment to christ matthew chapter 6 verse 24 you don't necessarily need to turn there the bible says no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other know this ye cannot serve God and mammon. Notice what the Bible says here in Deuteronomy chapter 13. At the end of verse 4, it says, and cleave unto him. Same idea as he will hold to the one. Can I challenge you that we need to hold to Christ? We need to cleave to him. We need to spend time with him. We need to understand him. We need to subscribe to him. We need to like and follow him, everything that he does. Listen, there are people over here that aren't necessarily bad people, but they just want you to trust them. They just want you to get a hold of everything that they can. They want you to commit to them. Beware of committing to a man. Please don't commit to me. I've said that before. I'll say it again probably for the rest of my life. I don't want you to commit to me. I want you to go far beyond me and commit to God. Commit to God. Commit to what he wants you to do. Not to what I want you to do. To what, to what God wants you to do. If I ever get from, in front of this pulpit and give you something that is against God, 
I expect, I expect people to stand up and say no. I didn't say against tradition, in case you all are wondering. But if it ever goes against God, if it ever goes against the Bible, if it ever goes against God's word, that's what we need to pay attention to. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams comes and says, hey, I just, you see this thing? I just, this came true. I'm a trusted man of God. Come, let's serve other gods. No, we need to have a determined commitment. Why? Because I'm walking with God. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 to 6, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Notice this. Lean not to thine own understanding. You realize that you can't have it both ways. My father-in-law told me that. You can't have it both ways. You can't trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean unto your own understanding. It's one or the other. I hope you know this. God doesn't always do things according to our understanding. God doesn't always do things the way that we think he should do them. So he said, but over here when we're following someone, we're like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's good. We begin to put our faith and trust and commit to a person over here, a prophet, if you will. But God says, hey, no, 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 no. Trust in the Lord with what? All thine heart. Don't lean under your own understanding. Trust God. Keep walking with him. He says this, in all thy ways, acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy path. I want you to take your Bibles with me and turn to this passage, Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. Some of you will probably know this, but take some time in considering the context of where we are today. Take some time and look at each word. The Bible says this, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Listen, he's saying, listen, don't walk with those people. Don't spend time with them. Don't stand. Don't sit with them. Don't do it. But his delight is where? In the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he what? Get this. Meditate day and night. I just want to consume the content. I just want as much as I can get. I just can't stand it. I have to know what God wants me to do. Verse 3. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Listen, considering the context of where we are, this is so important. He says, children of Israel, don't go after other gods. I don't care if the prophet says, let's go after other gods. I don't care if his prophecy came true. Don't go after other gods, because when you do, you stop prospering. And get this, they're getting ready to go into the promised land 
in which they needed to prosper. Don't stop walking with God. Look at verse 4, just the first part of it. It says, the ungodly are not so. But are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. We could spend so much time here. They're not like a tree planted by the wind. They're just blowing around. They're tossed about with every wind of doctrine. They're just kind of going every which way. Keep walking with God. Commit to him. Go to Psalm chapter 37. Psalm chapter 37, verse 1. Again, not an unfamiliar passage. The Bible says this, fret not thyself because of evildoers. Don't, don't worry about the evildoers. Neither, watch this, be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. But instead, trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land. And verily thou shalt be fed. Look at verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord. And he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Watch this. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him. And he shall bring it to pass. You get in the picture? A, a, a determined commitment. Hey, it doesn't matter. I'm going to delight. I'm going to commit. And I'm going to trust. It's all over here. It's all for God. It doesn't matter what the evildoers are doing. It doesn't matter what every other person is doing. It doesn't matter if he's trying to get me and I trust him. It doesn't matter what it is if he's trying to get me to go against God. I'm going to delight in God. The question is this. How am I supposed to make this determined commitment? We, we all talk about, ah, just, just commit, just commit. Well, how? How do I commit? How am I supposed to follow him no matter what? How am I supposed to follow him no matter who comes and stands with me? How? The, the answer is not more stubbornness. More grit. Oh, I'm just going to do it. Bless God. Nothing's going to stop. That's not the answer. You can try that. But at some point, your heels get sore from digging in. At some point, you're doing it in your own strength. Hear this. The last two passages that we have looked at use the term simply delight. Psalm chapter 1, Psalm chapter 37. Both use the term delight. How am I supposed to make a commitment to Christ? How am I supposed to commit a determined commitment to Christ? Here it is, delight. Delight. Delight means this from Webster's Dictionary. To affect with great pleasure. To please highly. Extreme satisfaction. Just delight in God. So much so that it affects you. It affects the way you act. It affects the way that you work. It affects the way that you talk. It affects the way that you drive. 
It affects the way that you do all kinds of things in your life because it's delight. It's extreme pleasure. Listen, we always used to say this growing up, fun is what you make of it. Fun is what you make of it. Listen, we used to go to youth activities that really stunk. Not Pastor Levi before when I was in growing up. They, honestly, they weren't the best. But man, we had a blast. Because fun is what you made of it. Because we delighted. And it affected our attitudes. It affected everything about us. And listen, you can stand here over here and go, well, that's, that's not the way I would do it. Well, that's not the way this person does it. Well, that's not the way. Listen, I don't care how we're doing it. As long as God is pleased, he is my delight. And it's changing. It's changing me. I'm committed to him. Look at verse 3. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 13. Look at verse 3. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. Why? For the Lord your God proveth you. He's testing you. He's trying to get you to see how much do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. You know what he's trying to say? How much do you delight in me? Do you really delight in me? Or are you just okay with anybody coming in and saying, hey, let's go serve other gods? Are you just okay with doing whatever you want as long as you're receiving what you want, what you're in control of? What are you okay with? Delight in God. Love him. Make him your everything. Don't look for satisfaction anywhere else. Don't look for it in other people. Don't look for it in your pastor. Don't look for satisfaction in me. I'm going to fail you. I'll try hard not to, but I will. Don't look for satisfaction in your spouse. Don't do it. Because all you're doing, hear me, all you're doing is you're not delighting in God. It may be a trustworthy person. Don't commit, don't find your satisfaction, in, don't find your satisfaction in your parents. Don't do it because they will be mean to you at some point. They will tell you you can't do something. Don't find your satisfaction in them. Don't find your satisfaction in a role model or a hero. Don't do it. Find your satisfaction in God. Delight in him. Spend time with him. Do all you can do to be with him. Trust God implicitly. Delight in him. Do you know this? God is the only one who will never fail you. Your pastor will fail you. Your parents will fail you. Your spouse will fail you. Your hero will fail you. Your role model will fail you. But God said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I will never fail you. A determined commitment to Christ. Delight in him. He has the perfect track record. Follow him. Take in his content. Delight in him. And listen, when the next person comes by and says, hey, let's go do this thing that you know you're not supposed to do. No thanks. I'm delighting in my God. Teenagers, at school, 
I guarantee you, correct me if I'm wrong, pretty sure that there are people saying, hey, come on, let's do this. Hey, come on, let's go do this. No, no thanks. Because I don't really care what you have to say. I delight in God. You may not be popular. And I understand the pressures. I understand adults, the pressures at work. Understand the pressures, but it doesn't matter when you're delighting in God. It doesn't matter if it's a trusted man of God or if it's just some Joe Blow that you want to spend time with and be friends with. It doesn't matter. Trust in God. Delight in him. Commit to him. Don't commit to someone else. Commitment to Christ. 